0: Thank you. No. I'm going to start with Shirley. We're going to sing. I, I'm surprised. You may be seated. I'm surprised I talk to people about uh, wedding songs, and I guess this isn't popular like it was 50-plus years ago, but it used to be a lot of uh, weddings that had this short, uh, what, scripture from Ruth, Whither thou goest, I will, I will go, go. with Earth, go. thou lodgest, I, I will lodge, lodge. Your, your people will be my people, my people. your God, <laughs> my God. <laughs> well, I've, I've been using the we, you know in Africa many languages don't. Greet in the singular. How are you? Of course, that's singular or plural for us. But it's um, like in Malawi, Muli and <laughs> even in our Gogo language, it was Mbuqueny. Uh, it's like how are y'all? <laughs> and then uh, we are fine. So it's Shirley and me and. Uh, I picked this up secondhand, but somebody thought maybe I was forcing Shirley uh, to go back <laughs> to the Congo. No, I've never forced her. Even when I was wanting her to set a date, and she told me, "I'm not sure I love you." <laughs> now that would jilt young guys today. But I woke up in the night laughing. Well. Two days later, we were on our way to college together, and a truck hit us, and after it was all dealt with, and we're on the side of the street, she looked up at me in the car and said, I love you. So I've always thought God knocked some sense into her head. But step after step, finishing Bible college, well, I don't know, you know, and no push, and uh The biggie was in 1965 after I'd done everything that was lined up for me to be, for us to be missionaries. Man, I filled out all the papers while she was cooking. How would you answer this, you know? So I'm filling in and finished. And now you sign, each one of you. You have your separate forms. She wouldn't sign. What for? I mean, from our first date. We talked about Africa. <laughs> What's going wrong? And she said, the children are, the girls are too small. They were one in three. You know how women think. So anyway, leave it to God. And the next morning she said, you know, God told me last night not to cross a bridge before I got there. And it was all about boarding school. She's afraid we're going to have to. They didn't have to go to boarding school until they were eight and ten. You know, up and grown. Anyway, we've had a wonderful life, and uh, I've always realized at one point in my ministry, you know, you start out in ministry, and you want to be a Billy Graham, preach to tens of thousands, and uh, I've preached to lots of small groups, a few large ones, but mostly lots of churches just getting started, and uh, I discovered in a village called Lamaiti that mine was a helps ministry. Now, if you get around charismaniacs and they ask you, you know, they hear about the fivefold ministry gifts and uh, what's your ministry? They want you to say apostle or prophet or something. And I say, helps, and they, what? (laughs) Helps, I help people. I'm helping your pastor this morning. I'm filling in for him so he can relax. <laughs> That's just one small illustration. But we've helped widows. We've helped orphans. We've helped congregations that were new. I baptized the first converts in some, some churches in the Lake Victoria area and then uh, where there was no nice, clean, clear lake. But uh, just been enjoying life, helping people. And now we're going back Stephanie came over this month 33 years ago to help us. And now <laughs> we're going to help her. <laughs> Did you show some of those pictures? Yeah. She's taken on a mammoth project and you know you just start and never stop. I've taught years I was taught years ago that there's only two things necessary to succeed. Start and never stop. (laughs) That's the two things that you need. So when I was still young as a teenager, I was saved at 14 years of age. I remember singing this chorus. You're not tired of me singing yet, are you? (laughs) It's just a two-liner. We used to sing, Why don't you smooth out the road that leads to heaven? Above and make it easy for those behind. And I look back, you know, I've had the thrill in recent, the last decade or more, crossing Townsend Inn, I meet people that got saved in churches we helped build or got went to Bible school in the Bible school we built. And now people told me about that Bible school. Nobody's gonna come to this burnt piece of earth here In the central region, and after I got started, the government decided to make their capital city there. And it's been developed, and uh, it's amazing. And even the church organization, uh, they weren't really for it at first, but they got behind it, and now it's their main meeting place. They're building a tabernacle to seat 4,500 for their conferences, And uh, different donors in recent years have given. I was building too big, I think, is what my mission directors thought. And uh, so I lost favor because I built too big. (laughs) I built for 200-plus students, and now they've increased buildings so they can accommodate 400 students. So, praise God, I get to go... (laughs) I got to go, like Barnabas went to Cyprus and developed John, so everybody would enjoy him from then on. Well, we got to go to Congo and start all over with a big piece of property, 98 acres and just elephant grass. We had to search to find our borders, and it was uh, rough going for a little while, but then we got the borders settled and started developing, and At one point, I wondered, what am I going to do with all this land? And now you can see that just one thing after another, and God continues to direct our paths. So let me share with you in a few minutes that remain. I I love this thought, and it only came to me in 1987. It's found in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. I use this illustration a lot, telling about going from Swahili speaking East Africa to Congo Swahili. And uh, I would say words in Swahili like 50, 60, 70, and everybody's talking <laughs> like, so instead of saying 65, sitini natano, they say six times 10 plus five, in verse two times 10 plus four. And you get to where you can spit it out. Anyway, let's go to Isaiah 65, 24. I love it. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. This is God speaking. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. And I came to the realization that's the way he has to do it. We think miracles, you know, Damn! No, God doesn't do that. Miracles are in our sight, not in His. So I want to just look at a few illustrations in the Bible. And in Matthew verse six, chapter six, verse eight, God says this: Jesus is giving what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Therefore, do not be like them, people who just pray incoherently. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I looked at a few illustrations in the Bible and I love Genesis 24. I use it in preaching at uh, weddings, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can get it all in there. But just let's look at this for a moment. In Genesis chapter 24, this is the servant of Abraham going to get a wife For Isaac, I like our style. I I shopped on my own. (laughs) But I asked a guy, you know, he was telling me about a pastor I was preaching for in tens and Tanzania. He said, I never saw my wife till the day I married her. Huh? I said, how did you know you would love her? And he said, I knew I would love her. I guess if you've got somebody back home you can write a letter to it and say, Could you find me a wife? It works for them, but I like our style. Don't you, honey? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Even when I had only 10 cents, we went to the Dairy Queen after Friday night chapel and bought one Coke, two straws, divided it, and walked back <laughs> to our dormitories. Well, Here we have this story in Genesis 24, and let me just read a few verses, 10 and 11, starting out, then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahar. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time. You know, faith isn't just, not knowing anything, we still have brains. He knew this was the time when women go out to draw water. He was going to look, and let's go on a little further. He was looking for a wife for his master's son. Then he said, oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. He knew that. That's gone. Now, let it be. (laughs) He's got God and himself in, in this equation. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, he was gonna choose her, but she had to pass the test. I say to her, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now he's going to choose one, you know, she's beautiful, you know. <laughs> But he didn't want to take a beautiful, lazy wife back to Isaac. And when he said, uh, what, where's supper? You know, he wanted beauty and he wanted diligence. And so she passed the test. So we won't go. Where are we reading next? In verse what? And it happened before he had finished speaking. What did God say in Isaiah? This was far beyond here. This happened before. I look back at my life and I see things that happened, and I didn't know the scriptural references until later. Just follow the Holy Spirit and uh, God will help you beyond what you know or before you know it. And it happened before he had finished speaking, praying. That behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahar, Abraham's brother came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher and came up. And so the guy and the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they've finished drinking. That's lots of water. <laughs> Here's the part I like. Where do we jump to from there? Uh, verse 45, or no, an before anyway. Let me tell you the story. <laughs> he prayed, and just the way he prayed, it happened. And then it said, "He was amazed." I can just see him watching her get in the water and bringing it. And he was. The Bible says it says he's on it. Has God really answered my prayer or not? Figure it out. <laughs> God is ahead of time, and he's got to do it this way. When did he answer that prayer? Well, as Rebecca was growing up, he had a girl that would be obedient to her mother. The mother would say, can you help me? And she didn't say, oh, not again. <laughs> no, she said, yes, mother. Just always, every time, quick to respond and help. God didn't make her different than what she was. This is the way God works. So he had this lady ready, and you know the rest of the story. We're gonna go on. Moses, if you're reading the book of Exodus, you'll see chapter two almost in entirety until verse one of chapter three is about Moses. Moses born and, Moses this, and Moses did wrong. Moses fled, Moses married, Moses had his son. And then all of a sudden, back to the ranch, we read the last two, three verses of chapter two, that the people of Israel were suffering under bondage and they called out to God. Now it happened, this is Exodus two twenty-three. Now it happened in the process of time That the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. (laughs) And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So, what am I saying? You get back to chapter 3, verse 1, it's Moses again. God didn't just develop a Moses when they were praying. It's way back there, Mom and Daddy were strong enough to defy the king's decree. They saved their baby, hit him, and you know the rest of the story. When did God answer that prayer way back when now I want to tell you an up to date story up to date as far as I'm concerned it's in my lifetime when I got saved there was a family that I was close to and their first son was born the same day as I was so we got to know each other and I'd go to their home on sundays but i I love to be with his mother and uh, she's cooking and she had a friend that would come down and visit them from Oklahoma. Her name was Clellan. She was a prophetess. If you don't know what a prophetess is, that's a female prophet. I heard these stories about her and one time she gave me a prophecy. She didn't know I had Africa in my heart, but she was reading from the book of Acts where God said to Paul the Apostle, I will send you far hence to the Gentiles. And she looked up and to me, she said, are you going across the pond? I said, sure am. I knew what she was referring to, but here's a story that I heard about her and then just got to meet her on that one or maybe two occasions. But she would pray and just open her Bible. And there, the print would just leap out in bold or something like that. She was a large lady and she went to stores. She was looking for a dress. She needed the right size. She wanted the right color and a style. She couldn't find it anywhere so she went home and prayed. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> so she prayed and opened her Bible and it, she saw the word Roebuck. Some of you I'll have to interpret for it. Sears, used to be called Sears and Roebuck. So she went to Sears and Roebuck and what's God doing in heaven when a lady's praying about a dress? And then she thinks she gets the answer from God. That's where I can get it? Is God nervously saying, Gabriel, hurry! This lady's going to Sears. You got to get. No, God doesn't have to put the dress on the line. He knows the hair of our head. He knows all the fibers of cotton in the field. That's hard to fathom, but it's true. You read, you know, as the universe expands to us. What I learned in school was nothing to what you read about the galaxies. In the billions, in each galaxy, has stars by the billions, and God calls them by name. God knew when that fiber was in the cotton field that Cleland was gonna put it on one day. You know, even before this came to me, I was preaching in a little church, new church in Mwanza, Tanzania, and they'd just built, and so I was there for the dedication. And I was just saying, <laughs> gave this illustration. Crazy me. How delighted those sheets of corrugated metal, which we use a lot in Africa. All those sheets of corrugated metal must be just thrilled that they're over a church that, where people sing and pray and have peace and joy instead of being over a bar where they're dancing and getting drunk. Can that happen? Well, the stones will cry out. I I can imagine all kind of things being a believer in the Bible. Cleland went to Sears and Roebuck and went to the section, got her dress, right size, right color, right style. God answers before you call. (coughs) Pardon me. When we went for a year, I was preaching from Jeremiah three three. God says to Jeremiah, calling to me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. That really came to me because I didn't know. You know, as a missionary for 17 years, and now people are asking, where are you going? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to work with? <laughs> I don't know. Everything they asked, I don't know. I started teasing that not too many people want to support a no-not missionary. But one day in a church in Bujumbura, Burundi, it just, I'm just listening. Somebody else is preaching. And all of a sudden, in a moment of time, I knew where to go, when to go, what to do, and how to do it. Whoo, God can put things together. In short order. Now, I went there. That was October 1984. Then, we were preaching down in Midland, Texas in February of 85. And I told Shirley, and this is so opposite to both of us, I said, I think I need to go out to Congo and get that land. Somebody was looking, you know, and people look and they see a little place here and a little place, and here's a partly finished building you can get and then finish it yourself and so we just both she said yeah i, th- I think you should too so i went and you, you know the story we got 98 acres but you can't help but wonder. in a city we're on the north side which is developing more than the old south but i thought 98 acres how could this be then little by little, some oh no, you know, people used to live here. Oh, they did? But then independence came. Then the government makes decisions. So the government compensated them and relocated them. They're in a village just a few miles from town. So they had a plan. They were going to build a military base there and somehow that didn't work. They Decided to do it on the other side of the cloth factory compound where we rented for 25 years. So they did it there, and this land was left. So one of the governors, he's from our region, he recently passed away, but he was governor of Kivu province. And by that time, he was in Kinshasa working with Mobutu Seseko. But he wanted to sell it. He he saw he wasn't going to do anything. So I get there. (laughs) Ha, ha, (laughs) woo! April 1985. And one of his relatives I see and deal with, and I could never get a phone call through until we got cell telephones. But uh, he got through to Kinshasa, talked to his uncle, whoever it was, and we bought that. But I thought, man, how was it? God answered before we called. God can change things from one. You know, people say, no, never. Don't talk that way when you're talking to a person of God. I'll tell you, God's in control. And uh, it's amazing the things that, and and you know the exciting part, and I'm gonna stop right here. The exciting thing to me, and I've known this truth since 1987 as far as I know, is just thinking about what God's doing right now, and I, even, I haven't even thought to pray about it, and I won't know to pray about it for another five years or maybe longer, but when that time comes and I pray, he'll hear. <laughs> and he won't work a miracle except in my eyes. He will have done it all and accomplished his plan, and then he just turns it over to us. Take it from here. Isn't it amazing how God trusts us? I studied missions four years and then pastored, and, you know, nine years after I understood the call to Africa, I finally made it. <laughs> By the time I got there, I was thinking, man. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a miracle worker, but I've seen a few. And I'll tell you, I'm just uh, another person in the in God's family that's ready. You know, I I prayed one time. What's my time? I see it. Let me get one more in. When I was in Bible school, I'm not a mechanic, but somebody was helping me. I had a bad part on the bearing on my. Uh, uh back <laughs> wheel, and so uh I got the new part on and the friend came and said, "Oh no no no, you're uh, supposed to do this before that huh? So we had to go to a place to get it pressed off, which cost money. So I told the fella, before you do this, let me pray, huh." He continued, but I prayed it came off good and I didn't lose a, a brand new bearing, but uh, that's sort of stupid. Yeah, but one, one of our students got shot and I followed, went to the hospital and the doctor came out of the room and said, I sewed him up, but he can't live. Talked about his liver being in pieces. I looked at our pastor and I said, let's just go in and pray that God will give him a new liver. That's not my style, but we did it. And he's alive 28 years later. He's had children. He's pastoring a minister. I'll tell you what, you just condition yourself. God's got it all ready and waiting for you to pray boldly in faith. Father, I thank you for this opportunity.